0: To Radio Free Brooklyn.
1: So to
2: Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to What Would Kay Say? I'm your host, Kay Edwards, and I'm here at 100 Bogart Street in sunny Brooklyn. So how's everyone doing today? I I don't know how I'm feeling today, actually. To be quite honest with you, well, before we start, because that's just how I don't know, let's start with the housekeeping first. Radio Free Brooklyn, of course, you know, we're having our drive to five fundraising campaign. In May, we turned five years old and we're trying to raise $25,000 to continue bringing you commercial free independent radio for the next five years. So go to our radiofreebrooklyn.com page, hit the donate button, or go to my show, hit the donate button and give what you can. We have trivia questions. We have games that give away prizes. So it won't just be like you're just giving your money away. Although you're not just giving your money away, you're actually giving your money to a good cause. You're giving it to the radio station because we bring you music. Excuse me. We bring you music. We bring you talk shows. And everything is just cool. Everything is just cool here. So go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.com to find out more information and just to find out what we're about. And if you just want to call us to tell us happy birthday or tell us how much you love our shows 718-673-8201 And if you want to talk to me today My number is 718-928-9732 Okay, so We're going to get the show started And I have to say This is the first morning Coming here Other than the, the the very first show that I did The very first show that I did Coming here in the morning I felt so anxious It was like I felt overwhelmed. I didn't think I was going to be able to do it. I didn't think I was going to be able to talk for an hour. I didn't think I was going to be able to hold anyone's attention. Not that I'm even still sure that I'm holding anyone's attention today, but at least I don't have the anxiety. But this morning, last night I tossed and turned. And usually, like I said, he will put in my spirit what he wants me to discuss on on air, and then I'll usually do my research, get all my background information, and then I'll get on the air and it just flows. Well, whatever reason, last night I did my preparation. I had been teetering with this all week. And I, I actually feel like this morning when I was driving here and it took me so long to get out the house, I was actually procrastinating to leave the house. First of all, it seems like it's been forever since I've been here and it's only been a week. I don't know if anybody else has felt it, but this week seemed so long to me that when I was driving here, in my mind, I was actually like, when was the last time that I was at the station? It felt like I was starting all over again, brand new, like as if I had never been on the air before. And I'm not really sure what to make of those feelings. So with all that, I go back to the fact that I did the preparation for the show I knew what he wanted me to talk about, but it's just so complex and there's just so many layers attached to it that it's just a hard subject to tackle. And how do you tackle it and do it with finesse? But I, I, I actually feel like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he was like, please don't make me do this. <laughs> that's how I feel this morning. I know now I know exactly. We always say, oh, I know exactly how Jesus felt when he was in the garden of Gethsemane. No, you don't know. you. When you know, you will know how he felt because this morning driving in here, that's that's how I felt. And right now, even talking to you, well, I'm not feeling it that much anymore because eventually Jesus did say, Your will be done, God. And that's what I did eventually say. All right, I'm already here. I have to discuss this because I have nothing else to talk about. And no matter what else I talk about, it's still going to steer. My spirit is still going to steer me back there. Because even as I was driving here, I was thinking of other topics that I could talk about. I could say, "Mm." as I was driving, I will say, oh, I could talk about, let's see. I could talk about this. I could talk about that. And then I could just, you know, go into how it affects our whole five-year plan and everything else that I was thinking about talking about, I could start off with those things, but it's st- my spirit was still staring me in this direction. So I'm like, okay, God, let's just do this and get it over with. I guess it's something that has to be said.
0: And, and after I really started thinking about it, driving over, you can't, in our five-year plan, you can't go on a journey and set your destination to someplace if you don't know where you've come from and where you are at the moment. Like, if you go to set your compass on GPS and you want to say, take me to wherever, Disney World, it's going to say, what is your present location? If you can't tell the GPS where you are, how are they
2: going to give you directions to get to where you need to go? And that's what this whole discussion today is about. You need to know where you are. And of course, to know where you are, you need to know where you came from because you need to know how you got to where you are right now in
0: order to be able to keep your journey and go to where you need to be. So with that, I say, This being Black History Month, and you see all the little in-between commercials or all these commercials now citing
2: things with black history. Everything, all these attributes to whomever citing things with black
0: history. And it's all well and good. But in my mind, it's like, and now today I'm strictly... Not that I'm not talking to everyone
2: because everyone can benefit from this conversation because there's going to be things there that doesn't just pertain to people of color, but it pertains to everyone. Because if if you're living your life a certain way, you, you need to live your life a certain way. So it's not that what I'm saying excludes anyone else. But when I'm saying this, people of color will be able to relate to it because That's who the conversation he's gearing towards right now. And I guess because it's Black History Month or maybe not because
0: it's Black History Month, maybe because it just needs to be said. So with that. I look at everything that's happening now. And when I thought about this whole topic that he had placed
2: on my spirit, everything that I'm talking about now. Is how people of color are
0: navigating their lives living in the post-civil rights world. And for those of us born after 1965,
2: those are the people that I'm talking about. They're trying to navigate living in this post-civil rights world. And I say that,
0: excuse me, I say that because everything before 1965, you know, it
2: was all segregated. You know, the South, they had to do the marches. They couldn't sit at the uh, counters to order food. They were any march that they did. They had hoses and, and dogs placed on them. We all know. We've all seen those pictures. We all understand what that's about. But now, here we have Martin Luther King. I have a dream, the infamous speech made by Dr. Martin Luther King on August 28th, 1963.
0: And I totally respect Dr. King and all that he envisioned for America and the world. But I have a reality. And my reality is a far cry from what Dr. King thought the world should be. So... I want to look at not only the accomplishments that we've made
2: from back then. I also want to take a look at how far we've moved away from the point of where we were trying to reach. Like I try try to think about when I think about that, I have a dream speech. And it's like, yeah, that would be beautiful
0: if I were able to live in a world that were like that. But it's not. And when I think about it, and I just say, you know what, how would it feel to actually live in a world that actually didn't judge you by the color of your skin, but the content of your character? And I draw a blank. Not saying that things haven't gotten better. Don't get me wrong. I'm not
2: here to say that things have not changed. Some things have changed, but some things remain the same. And now when I thought about that, I was like, okay, some things changed and some things have remained the same. But have they remained the same in my mind? Or did they really actually remain the same? Is it that I see things through my lenses that they've remained the same and actually it has changed out in the world? Or is it that I'm really seeing what it is that I think I see? So now it made me go back and I said, well, where did this all, how did we get to the place where we are here now,
0: where we had the segregation, we had, you know, the marches, we had the infamous speech, we had the signing to make discrimination illegal for race creed, color, whatever. And then now we're here, still experiencing bouts of discrimination, which has now extended itself past just
2: race. And it's now, it's, they've thrown everybody into the mishmash basket now. And I'm like, where did, where did we, where did the disconnect come in? So I was trying to think back. And when I was thinking back, I was like, okay, this being Black History Month, let me go all the way back, all the way back to the beginning to see exactly where people of color lost sight of what, whatever whatever their journey was, where did they go off course and
0: end up sitting in the wilderness. So when we think about slavery, every I mean, slavery has been,
2: even before Jesus walked the earth, they had slaves. So slavery is not something in and of itself, something that would turn people and get them so lost that they don't know where they're, whether they're coming or going, because people have been enslaved. I mean, people have been enslaved for a number of years over the whole course of time.
0: So when we think about that, If we could just take that and if it were just the state of slavery and if we only had the issue of slavery,
2: it could be a moment in time that, as with other moments in time, we remember not to repeat. You know, it could be like, oh, yeah, they were enslaved. Okay, slavery was abolished. Everybody move on. Not that you're kumbaya, but everybody move on and everyone do what they have to do. Something you think about. When that anniversary comes up, or whatever, and oh, yes, we can't do that again. Like, much like we do with 9 11 and Pearl Harbor and all those other moments in time where something harsh or drastic happened. We
0: owed it so bad, our hearts broke. Okay, let's move on from that and let's continue life. But if it were just that simple, we could have done that. But with the freedom,
2: of the enslavement of African-Americans, it then turned into a hatred and a disdain for the people that you had to release. And that's where I think the problem started. The problem started there because if we just could have just left it as, okay, you were slaves, but now we got to let you go, go your merry way, be happy. No, it didn't stop there. And the reason why it didn't stop there was because it wasn't just a people that you were letting. They didn't look at it as a people that they were losing control over. You were actually upsetting the apple cart of their financial gains. I mean, think about it. If you owned a plantation and you had 500 people working for you, picking whatever it was you planted, even if it was tomatoes. Let's just say you had a tomato plantation. I don't think they had tomato plantations. They had cotton, but we'll just use tomatoes as today's example. And all these people are harvesting these tomatoes for you. And now all of a sudden the government tells you, oh, I'm sorry, you got to let those 500 people
0: go. They can't work for you anymore. And you're now like, wait a minute. How am I supposed to get my produce to market so i can collect my coins yeah you're going to be upset you're going to be upset because now
2: you now have to let these people go you're going to be upset
0: because every time you see they those people you're going to look at them like you should have been still picking my darn tomatoes so if i look at and i I can't
2: do anything to the government that told me to let you go. So what's my next best recourse to let out how upset I am as to why I no longer can collect coins anymore. It's you. So every time I see you, you're the problem. You're the problem. Why I can't collect my money the way I want to collect my money. So because of that, you're going to suffer. You're going to suffer because I can't collect my money the way I want to collect my money. And I really think that was the mindset after this whole ending of slavery that took place here in America. And I know we've heard, we've had scholar. and now I am no scholar. I'm no scholar. I don't claim to be, oh, have a doctorate degree in the history of the African-American, post-slavery, pre-slavery. I don't know any of that. All I know is my own experience. And see, that's what a lot of us have to go on. We can learn the history, but you got to go by what your own experience is because that's what you live. Your own experience is what you're living every
0: day. That's your reality. So regardless of what you tell me, I know what I'm facing. So with that, we go back into you learn history, but if you're not learning history
2: correctly, it could screw what you think in your mind, which makes you believe things that might not be true. So if you are believing things that's not true, then you base your journey or your life
0: on falsities that now steer you down the wrong direction. Because if I believe something to be true
2: and I'm basing my life on this, what I believe to be true, which is
0: actually not true then where am I going to end up? Case in point, we're with the GPS again. We want to go to Disney World. Disney World is in Vermont. According to my truth, we know Disney World is in Florida. But if
2: on my GPS, I'm putting in Disney World in Vermont, and that's where I'm heading for my journey because that's where I want to go, what's going to happen when I get
0: to Vermont? It's not going to be there. Case in point, if you're believing in something and you're doing your journey based on what you believe to be true, you're going to end up in the wrong place. So here we have post-slavery time, and we're getting all these bits of, because now they're already,
2: they've already, from what I understand, taking a lot of the history out of American history. I don't even know what the kids are learning in school today. But if you don't have the exact history, or all you hear is bits and pieces of what people think the history is, and they go by what their story is, then that's where you get the misinformation. And that's why it's so important, the learning, the reading, and as God said, as the Bible says, Get wisdom is the principal thing.
0: It is. Because if you don't understand, you can't move forward. And perishing for lack of knowledge, it's more, you can see it more today than ever before. People
2: are perishing for the lack of knowledge. So we have this. I remember before I used to always hear, oh, They never even thought, you know, they never thought anything of black people. They only had us as three-fifths of a person. You know, we weren't even a whole person. And just hearing that part of the story in and of itself, and I'm sure by now the rest of you know the truth behind what that is. But if you don't, I'm going to clarify it now here on the air. It always used to be, oh, they didn't even think of us as being real people. In the Constitution, they wrote us that we were three-fifths of a man. We weren't even a whole person. That three-fifths of a person— wasn't because they looked at us as being less than human. It had nothing to do with them looking at us as being less than human. Cause in reality, they didn't, they weren't even counting us. That number that was given to us was because, and I look at it in terms of now with, you know, certain states by your population, it lets you know how many seats in Congress you're able to have. So the more you have in your population, the more congressional seats that you're able to hold. That's where that three-fifths of a man came in. Because the states in the South, now there were Federalists that lived in the North. You have the North and South, remember they were two separates. They, the ones from the the states in the South that had slaves wanted to be able to count their slaves as population. Because if you think about it, the slave population actually outnumbered the plantation owners. There were more slaves in the South than there were people that owned plantations, which would make sense because if you have a planta- if you are a plantation owner and your family consists of five people, but you own 500 slaves, of course, your slaves are outnumbering you. So, what the South, in their quick minds, were like, "Well, hey, we've got more people down here. We deserve more congressional seats, and the North was like, "No, you can't count your slaves as being people because you don't even count that they're not part of the population they're not They're not included in what we're talking about as far as being." the number to count as heads to have for seats in Congress. Because the North was trying to get rid of slavery altogether. So the South was trying to play slick. They wanted to hold on to being, to having slave states because like I said, they were counting their coins. And in order to do this, they needed to have more seats in Congress so that they can make these laws to keep slavery going. Because the more seats you have in there, then you know, the more votes you could have for your side of what you want. Just as we presently see now with the Republicans and the whole thing with the impeachment, the more seats you have in your favor, you get what you want. So that's what the same premise was back then. Let's keep all the seats. So the North is like, no, you can't do it. Because if that's the case, if you guys are going to count your slaves, which you don't even we don't even have on roster as being, you know, slaves was like like property, So how are you counting property? So if you're counting your property, that means that we should be able to count our cats, our dogs, our furniture, because it's all property. So they had that argument back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And it
0: wasn't until, let me get his name right, it wasn't until there was one guy who he was like, okay, this is how we're going to solve this. What was his name? He was from Virginia. I had his name down here. John something, I believe.
2: But he said this is how we're going to solve this. He said the way we're going to solve this it oh, James Wilson from Pennsylvania. You have me had it all mixed up. John from Virginia. <laughs> James Wilson from Pennsylvania. He came up with this compromise. He said, "Okay, since you want to count your slaves as being persons, what we're going to do is we're going to give them three-fifths of a person. We're going to count the one slave as three-fifths of a person. So for numbers sake, it took them like 30,000 people to get one congressional seat. So if they would have counted the slaves as individual, they would have had more more than the 30,000 to get one seat. But what he said was, okay, in numbers' sake, if it took, if they take fifty thousand
0: people, when they did it and they changed it to three fifths, it kept it to
2: to to the smaller number. So when actually they worked it out, the South were they were only able to get a smaller percentage of the seats that they wanted to gain in congress than what they had originally planned so that kind of kept the balance whereas they couldn't go and keep adding adding more um rules and laws about slavery so that's where that three fifths came from it wasn't that they looked at slaves as being three fifths of a human being per se like you don't exist or you or less worthy of being a human, it was for numbers' sake. I didn't want to count them as a whole person, because if I counted them as a whole person, the South would be, we would probably still have slavery today, because the South would have been ruling everything in Congress, and they would have kept passing their laws to keep slavery going. Because we have to remember, it was a money-making deal for them. It was all about making money, and they were the ones making the money. So, of course, they were going to want to keep this labor going the way they had it. So now we fast forward past that. So now anyone that has been taught about, oh, you were, you know, they never looked at you as being a human being. Let's dispel that myth. That's what the three-fifths number was about.
0: That's why it came into play. So now we have, once again, we're back to the ending of slavery. With all that, they finally ended it, you know, Lincoln came in, he became president.
2: When he, when he was running for president, the funny thing about that is when he was running for president, the southern states were leaving the union. They were like, bump this. He's going to come in and change up what we got going on. Our good thing down here talking about we can't have slaves, we out. So they were leaving. They were like, no, we don't want to be part of this anymore. The North, you have your own thing. We have our own thing.
0: Thus, the whole Civil War, blah, 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 all that came into play. Now we fast forward. And then, like I said, if I'm looking at you, that you're the reason why I can no longer make $100 million because you don't, I can't have you working for me anymore. Yeah, I'm going to be annoyed.
2: So that's where the whole discrimination and the racism. And then on top of it, if now I have to let you go, because I can no longer use your labor to make money. But now you're now going and you're becoming prosperous. You're now setting up shops someplace, making money. You're now running banks and having general stores and. Transportation and living in towns where everybody's happy and smiling and Every time I see you, all I think about is the coins I can't collect. I'm going to be annoyed.
0: Hence what happened in Tulsa, Oklahoma in 1921. And it was always that excuse. Don't look
2: at a white woman. Don't talk to a white woman. See, that's when all these now, all these little caveats started coming in. Don't walk down the street on the same side of the street, you know. Any little thing that I could do to tick you off because I'm still annoyed, I'm going to do it. So they had that riot in Tulsa because supposedly in the elevator there was an incident between a young black man and a young white woman, elevator operator. She swarping down. Afterwards, she's swarping down, nothing happened. It, see, this wasn't the case of, well, yeah, I'm just going to get him in trouble just to get him in trouble. No, she actually said nothing happened. But of course, you could tell me nothing happened. But if I want to believe something happened, it happened. And here we go once again. Basing your journey on something you want to believe as being truth and then living your life in order to, to get to that end of what that truth you believe is. So with them believing that he did something to her in the elevator, they went looking for him. Mob, of course, went looking for him. They couldn't find him. They lynched his father. You know what? And even after they lynched him, they were like, what the hell? Let's just burn the whole darn town down. But see, that's what you wanted to do anyway. But you needed that spark to get you to be able to do what it is you wanted to do. That was your end journey to burn the town down but you just you needed that truth that you made in your own mind that something happened, that that's the reason why we were able to do what we did. So we fast forward from that, and then we have Rosewood two years later. Rosewood, Florida, same thing. Incident happened. Oh, we got to get them because Rosewood was prosperous too. People living their lives, mining their business. No, I'm unhappy. You can't be happy if I'm unhappy. Burn the place down. And with all this, I'm saying I'm giving bits and pieces and I'm just throwing it in. But if you really want to understand everything that has happened with African-Americans here in America, the best place that I've seen thus far is the National Museum
0: of African-American History and Culture. That museum in Washington, D.C., it is it starts
2: in the basement level and it begins with 1619 with slave trade and it explain and what i like about it is it goes into detail and it explains everything facts that you did not know that you did not learn in school all those things are in this museum the museum is awesome it goes from 1619 19 with slave trade all the way up to president barack obama So the top and then on the top floor, they have science and technology and the strides that African-Americans have made in those fields but and athletics and things like that. But it is that museum is it definitely takes more than one day. I was only there for one day, but I can definitely go back and probably still enjoy it or probably enjoy it even more because now I'll see things that I missed my first time going around in it. It's awesome. So, if you ever get the opportunity to go to Washington, D.C., to visit that museum, definitely take the time to do it. It will totally enlighten you as to everything that you thought you understood, but you really didn't understand. So, now,
0: fast forwarding from there, here we are. Like I said, post civil rights, living in America today. And
2: okay, we already know the racism exists. We already know discrimination exists
0: because everyone that came over here as an immigrant experienced discrimination. That's just a given.
2: You step foot on the soil here in America. They don't like you. They don't like you. They don't like you until you make your way and become whatever it is that you're going to become till you find your place. Everyone's trying to find their place. And that's the thing with African-Americans. I feel, that is just my own personal opinion, and anyone that doesn't think that it's true can call me with 718-928-9732 and tell me what you think, if it's contrary to what I think. We're still trying to find our place. We're still trying to find our place as to, okay, who am
0: I exactly? But you know what came to me with that? It is nice to know who you are, but we
2: can know who we are just from keeping our foundation of, and not and don't get me wrong, all African Americans that are
0: here, not everybody came from descendants of slaves. There were a lot of free black people that some of them even owned slaves because you got to remember it was a money
2: making deal it wasn't about well I'm white you're black you're going to work for me no it was about i have land i need lay i need laborers you're going to work for me that's what it was about so you even had black people living here in america that owned slaves so when you think about it like that if you just think about it as being a economic situation, then it makes it easier for you to move past that instead of keep harping on. Because the whole racism part didn't come in with the slavery. The racism part came in after the slavery. So you can't keep going back to the slavery of
0: being the reason why things are the way they are today. No. The slavery actually, it's part of
2: it. But it was a progression that if they would have just let the whole thing die, it could have just been over with. But now we're in a time where, like I said, everyone's discriminated. There's always going to be someone that's going to be discriminated against because others feel that they always have to be on top. But with that, as I said before, African-Americans are still trying to find their place, find who they are here in America. And my thought behind
0: that is be who you are. Yes, you can look back and say, if you have to
2: have a ground to start from other than, okay, African-Americans were here, we were slaves, now we're not, let's move on. If you need something more than that, you can do, now they have these 23andMe DNA kits. That you can now do your DNA to find out exactly what your roots are, where you originated from, if that gives you a grounding to understand the person you're supposed to be.
0: There's no excuse now really to to keep thinking that something is owed to you or to feel Like, I can't, okay, let let me see, how could I say this? Systemically,
2: we know that because of the discrimination and racism that came about after all that with the Jim Crow laws and everything else that they
0: did to try to hold African Americans down, we know that still exists. For a fact, we know that
2: still exists. And I thought it was kind of, I got a little chuckle when um I saw one of Bloomberg's commercials and he said it out of his mouth. You know, you know, had he been born black in America, he would not have acquired all the money that he has today. He knows that he would not have been able to build his business to the point where it is right now had he been black in America. And when he said that, I I laughed because with every with everything that we do and the strides that we make, and everyone's to, everyone you know wants to say, not everyone. When I say everyone, I can't say everyone because it's not everyone. But I have heard people say, "Oh, why, why are you know why do people, black people always still keep going back to and why are they still always fussing and complaining about." You know, I wouldn't have to fuss and complain about a lot of things if it wasn't still happening. The day when it totally stops happening is the day that everybody can stop fussing and complaining about what's happening to
0: them. Like I said, if this is my reality, this is my reality. So with that, it, the the thing that was getting me with the whole talking about this whole situation is
2: because I'm the type of person that if I'm going to talk about a situation, I'd like to have a solution to it. I just don't want to talk about what the problem is. But it's hard for me to grasp what the solution is. My, my idea of what the solution would be might not be what somebody else's idea of what the solution would be. Because even though we're black here in America, each one of us has our own experiences. We have different things that have happened to us in our lives that shaped us to be the people that we are. But the one thing I do want to say about that is regardless of what happened to you in your life, and yes, it did shape you to be the person that you are, you don't have to be the negative person that you can be. You can always spin that to be the most positive person that you can be. And I say that because if I just think about my own life, no, it was not easy. Like I said, growing up post civil rights, I grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood. So, my going to school, yes, I had friends there. I have a number of friends from that time period, but I also had a lot of negative things happen to me in my childhood growing up in that neighborhood. A lot, and a lot of them, a lot of the things that happened to me. Most of my friends that I have from there, they don't even know that that happened to me. Because here it is, we were in the same school. We were walking down the same blocks, going on the same buses to go wherever
0: we lived. But their interaction with people was totally different than my interaction with people. So I could have taken all that And been
2: very bitter right now. I could have taken all those things that happened to me. And been like you know what it was unfair. And you know it shouldn't have happened to me. Where in actuality no it should not have happened to me. And you know what now I'm going to make everybody pay. Because of what they did to me when I was younger. I'm going to make now that I'm an
0: adult. I'm going to make everybody pay. And for one part in my life. I did have that
2: mindset, but it wasn't make everybody pay like I'm going to go out and attack people. No, I was never on the, you know what, because you did this to me, I'm not going to do this back to you. No. But my thing of in my mindset of making people pay was I'm going to show you that everything that you wanted to stop in me is going further than what you could have even imagined it to go. You only saw a little spark that you said, let me put that fire out. But now it's blazing and you can't control it. That's what my, I'm going to make everybody pay. But it wasn't a a vengeance of pay, like like I said, retribution to like, oh, I want to harm you. No, I'm not going to harm you physically. I'm not going to harm you at all. What I'm going to do is I'm going to show you what I am and what I'm capable of being. So everything that you thought you were going to stop, You just now fueled it. When you thought you were throwing water on the flame, you were actually putting gasoline on it. So now it's like blazing out of control. And what what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do? Because everything that you thought you weren't going to let me have, I got it. So that's when I say you can take those negative things that have happened in your life and turn it to the positive. You don't have to keep dwelling on, oh what was me, you know, if they would have let me do this, I could have did that or if they could if they would have let me. There was many a job that I went to
0: that didn't want me to excel. They didn't want me to get promotions.
2: But you know what? When you go someplace and God has you in that spot, There isn't anything that anybody could stop ever. And that's when I look back on my life and I said, you know what? God had me grooming. He was grooming me all those years. Everything that I experienced, I needed to go through to be able to be who I am right now today. And he's still putting me through things in order to get me to where I'm going on my journey. But it didn't stop me. Just because you didn't want me to have a promotion Okay, so I don't have the promotion, but I'm still working, getting a paycheck. You're not going to fire me because you know that because when I go to work, I'm working to the best of my See, I'm not going to take a job and go to work and sit there and be like, well, as long as I showed up, you should be happy. No, that's not the mentality. Then of course, they're going to fire you because they can have anybody showing up. But if you're If you're able to get yourself into a position where you have a job, then you work that job to the best of your ability and you
0: give it your all. You don't go there and give half. Who's to say that you why should you go there and give half? And then expect to get a full paycheck. See, that's where the problem
2: comes in. And that's the mentality that I have a problem with. Nobody owes anybody anything. And this is just not even just talking about people of color. I'm talking about people in general. Nobody owes anybody anything. So anything that you do, you should be doing to the best of your ability and giving it your 100%. Not just, oh, well, I showed up, be
0: happy. Why should I be happy because you're here? Because if it wasn't you, it could be somebody else that could be here. But I guess I've talked enough about that. But anyway, going back
2: to the whole thing of knowing who you are, if you must know who you are, you can take those tests to find out, but look at where you are right now.
0: look at where you are right now to help you determine how you're gonna get to where you want to go and now
2: the thing that makes the thing that makes me um why I'm saying that and emphasizing that so much because You have to know who you are now. Okay, all those things, like I said, all those bad things happened to you. And I'm sure there was a ton of bad things that happened to many of us. We all have past issues that was the worst thing. We felt we were never going to get over it. But hey, if you're here standing today, you got over it. Or not even got over it. You were able to push past and move forward. So don't keep, like we said, we're not bringing any baggage from before with us. So, whatever you had back there, leave it back there. Forgive yourself. Forgive those who might have hurt you. Leave it back there. You're now starting from where
0: you are right now. With that, it makes you have to be so grounded now in where you are because
2: the racism and discrimination is just going to, with the new technology,
0: and I'm going to go into this further like next week. Um, They have the AI, you know, artificial intelligence, where if they don't put certain biases
2: into the program, the program will not work. So when you think about everybody's on this, and I have to do more research on it. That's why I don't want to talk too much about it today because I really don't understand it, but I am going to look into it. When you have a program
0: The program is just going to mimic what the programmer puts in it. So just for example, they want to do this face recognition. But when they did the program
2: for the face recognition, because they didn't use prototypes of dark-skinned people, which I don't understand why they wouldn't, they should have used all colors on the spectrum to do this prototype,
0: because if it's a face recognition, everybody's face doesn't look light or white. So
2: if you're programming this face recognition to recognize people, it doesn't work when people of color for face recognition. So then it automatically throws it into another category, which is usually a negative category. That's why I said I can't talk too much about it because I have to do more research on it. But if you just imagine racism, if as an individual I could be racist and discriminatory against you because I'm standing here in front of you, just imagine what I could do if I'm on a computer and I don't even have to see you. Okay, me dealing with you one-on-one, you're just one person that I can discriminate against because you're the only one that's in my presence at the moment. But now if I have it on a computer and everyone has to feed their information into a
0: computer, you know how many people I could wipe out? It's not just the one that's standing in front of me. It's those I don't even see. That's kind of dangerous. But that's where we're moving towards. Technology is moving
2: towards everything being where there is no more one-on-one contact. Everything is through a computer. The computer will weed out who should, who shouldn't, who's good, who's not, without even looking at the individual. You don't even have to look at them. It's just keywords, which we've we've always known when they first started doing computer programming, there was keywords that would point out who was who. So we know that's already been implemented into the system. But now with the whole face recognition, eye recognition, fingerprinting, DNA, all this type of knowing who people are, now it's really like, hmm. Whereas you thought the that you just had certain words in the system that could weed out people, now it's going to be even easier and easier to the point of because the number is going to be larger
0: because it'll be a larger number of people that I could affect with just one little program. So knowing where you are, knowing who you are
2: will help you in the journey where you need to go. So when you know all this information and you know all these things are out there, then you can now navigate to because you know there's oh, no matter what's put in place, there is always a way around it. And I say that because with all the security features that they put on our credit cards and buying online and you know, all the ordering and stuff that we do, Every time you turn around, there's a breach in the computer system where information is being leaked, that all your information is now out there. So if they can put all these security mechanisms in place that are supposed to protect you and safeguard all your information, but yet there are people who are out there that can get into this to get your information, then I say on the flip side of that, let's flip it to the positive side for if you're making all these things to make it harder for people to be able to navigate and get what it is that they need to get. The positive side to that is there is going to be a way to get around that
0: as well. So, but you just have to be, you have to be focused and you have to pay attention to what's going on.
2: Look at that. My time is up already. And I haven't even really scratched the surface of this this whole discussion, but I think I've talked enough about it right now to where, just to open your eyes to let you know you need to be vigilant in what's going on. And we'll discuss more next week, Um, whatever he puts on my spirit. I don't know why he had he had me open this door for a reason. And I guess I just have to walk through it now, and we'll know where this journey takes us to the next time when I'm back on the air. So I just want to thank everyone that tuned in. I want you to all have a blessed week. I want you to all be safe and be good to each other. Let's all be good to one another while we're out there. You know, we talked about the love in our hearts. So let's just try to be a blessing. Let's try to be a blessing to everyone that we encounter today. And during this week and until I see you or, well, I won't see you, but until
0: I'm able to speak to you again real soon, I hope next week,
2: or you can look at me, you know, you can send me messages on my Instagram page or for those of you who know me on my Facebook page, um, And yes, we'll continue this conversation next week. Everyone be blessed. Everyone be well. And have a pleasant and happy Sunday.
1: Live. But he winds up knocking.